Welcome to episode 153 of This Week in Marketing, also known as The Twim Show. This is your host, Sajid Islam, and today I will be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of March 20 through 24, 2023. First off, uh, this week, TikTok's CEO, Shoji Chu, uh, appeared in before the U.S. House Committee on Energy and Commerce, and he wanted to... Well, he made his case in front of Congress and he wanted to answer any questions from the lawmakers before they decide on whether to ban TikTok or not or force a sell. Um, there's plenty of not much that happened that you should be aware of, uh, but the because you know the decision hasn't come out. But it was interesting to see you know what the TikTok is how is trying to position uh, TikTok uh, as beneficial to the U.S. and you know TikTok has gone to the extreme of even you know getting uh, what's it called. Uh, Influencers uh, uh, into DC paid for the travel. Have run uh, TikTok campaigns on YouTube uh, where they said, you know, how TikTok has made people's life easier, better, blah blah blah. All in the angle of, hey, I am such and such influencer. I've been able to reach so at such and such number of people through what I do, blah blah blah. So it, they're playing that angle where, oh yeah, TikTok is allowing people to take the the US culture abroad and things like that, as if you know, Facebook, Instagram. Um, uh, Snapchat doesn't exist. Uh, nevertheless, why I'm bringing this up is that you know keep in mind if TikTok is your only traffic source, it may or may not be here uh, next month or next week. So you want to diversify, and even if it is, you still want to diversify because diversify is always better, right? Do not put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, that does not mean that you know you have to uh, really put a lot of effort, but I would say keep the uh, warm up the engines on the other platforms at least one more. Next up, uh, LinkedIn. There are four updates for LinkedIn business pages that you should be aware of. Number one, now LinkedIn allows you to plan your business page post up to three months in advance. Uh, this is something available on desktop right now. This feature is coming out on mobile. Uh, also, LinkedIn is introducing live audio-only discussion, eliminating reliance on external broadcasting applications. It's interesting to see that LinkedIn is doubling down on audio applications. Uh, Facebook this week just uh, shared that they're killing their uh, audio channels. Um, they're like you know kind of they copied the audio feature from Clubhouse after its meteoric rise, and now that they realize people don't use it, they're trying to uh, get rid of it. Whereas LinkedIn is doubling down. Oftentimes, I know I've covered this on this show that people will uh, all these platforms are copying each other. However, it's interesting that you know LinkedIn is going deep into audio channel like Clubhouse. You know it, that bubble has is no longer there, but there is still a very strong core group of users that uses uh, uses it. Like me, for example, I use Clubhouse. Right? I say that because I go on Clubhouse at least once a day, uh, and I would. Go to Clubhouse, but I will not go to LinkedIn and do that. I will not do to Instagram, and that's just me personally because you know Clubhouse is known for audio only. It's like going to a restaurant. You know they only do like you know Italian food and only Italian versus a restaurant that does Italian, does the Chinese, that does you know uh, Thai, and you're like okay, it's just like you're not the best in everything, and you it's like 
that's how I feel with audio is. But I blabbered on this too much. Uh, we'll see how this works out. Maybe it works out pretty well for business users because, you know, now you can do, because LinkedIn is professional, mostly business. So they can start channels and things like that, even though I think, you know, Clubhouse uh, has served us very well so far. The other thing is, uh, the third option is uh, from LinkedIn is that businesses fewer than 1,000 employees. LinkedIn now offers an automatic job posting feature. So once activated, as soon as you create a job, it will automatically post it back into your uh, you know, company business page. Like, oh, such and such, there is a new job position, things like that. You know, you could have always done it by yourself, but it's just one less step. So I guess you know, if you can take advantage of automation, why not? And the fourth thing is LinkedIn page now can follow other pages, making it easier to join chats related to your field and with a feed dedicated to content from other businesses you are following. Remember how Facebook page could follow other Facebook page? And it was a big thing back in the day. Then over time, it just kind of kind of went away. Uh, so that's how I feel. Uh, you know, sometimes less is more. And I wish this product managers or some of these uh, platforms would uh, hear that. Uh, I do not know what a particular use case is, uh, why I would, my page, my company page would want to follow another page, but hey, what do I know? I'm just the guy reporting the news. Next up, there are some new features in Reddit ads. Yes, Reddit does ads, uh, you know, a plethora of new stuff, uh, like, you know, they're, they're rolling out from automatic ad creation to multi-currency support to community search. Um, uh, report retention reports, things like bulk edits, and the last thing is simple campaign simple campaign creation that enables advertisers to create campaign with single ad in three easy steps. So you know, if you think your audiences are hanging out in Reddit, maybe this is a good place to add. Uh, my job is to bring information to you and present it in terms of what's happening. Uh, and I love this kind of stuff because you know, because I do this uh, show. I'm able to actually stay up on top of things. Like if I wasn't doing this show, I would not have known that there's this thing called Reddit ads and all these things are uh, there. Right now I can talk more intelligently rather than just, I'm becoming more of a tea, tea type marketer, right? Where I was a T-shaped marketer, but I'm just saying in terms of knowledge, like now I know about a little bit about all the other platforms and then my deep expertise is search marketing. Okay, okay. next up, and you know what? I don't want to say I told you so, but I did t touch on this on epi in episode uh, 151, which is two weeks ago, where I said, you know, when when I covered that TikTok enters the search ads market, uh, even though it's inching towards a US ban. And, you know, I was saying, hey, it's high time. When will Instagram copy uh, TikTok or Google and have a search ads? Well, two weeks later, it's here. Uh, so they're going to have two things. One is search ads, which is very simple. You go search, uh, you put a keyword in and you're going to start seeing, you know, ads as well as organic results. That's one. Uh, number two is they have something called reminder ads where users can opt into alerts ahead of an event. Uh, so if you see an event, you can alert and then, you know, the event organizers can run reminder ads and to inform people, hey, events are coming up, things like that. Uh, I don't run TikTok or sorry, Instagram ads, so I really cannot say what's going on over there. Um, but you know, it's definitely good. It's definitely good. I think it's high time the uh, Instagram starts with search ads. Reminder ads is a good thing. 
uh, especially if people, if I have a public event, if people are like, you know, said going, uh, we could probably uh, show ads to them to remind them. Although I would just say creating a calendar invite and adding a calendar, you know, appointment event in your calendar, on your calendar also works the same way. Right, I do that. Uh, so if it's an event that I would really want to go, I will say yes, going, and I will download that calendar into my phone, and I'll off I go. Well, because the only way, if you do reminder ads, is that you know you have to keep reminding people. Like means that person has to be on that platform. But hey, what do I know? In terms of Microsoft, uh, they have introduced this category-based targeting for retailers. To be very transparent, I researched on this and I looked at it. There was no really demo for it for to sign up, uh, but it looks very promising, very interesting. Not promising, very interesting, I would say. Uh, just because, you know, gone. they're saying, Microsoft is saying, you know, hey, we have this solution called Promote IQ that not only targets based on keyword, but we can also target based on category. So we kind of know what our your users or what people are shopping for in which category. And then based on those category, we can show ads. And in within that category, we can boost certain keywords. Your, you can boost your high-performing keywords and you know the chances of your return on ad spend is a lot higher. That's what Microsoft is saying. I haven't played with it, so I really do not know if it lives up to what they're saying. But nevertheless, it's very good solution uh, for. It looks seems to be a very good solution for retailers, uh, e-commerce of that sort. It's only available for e-commerce. <laughs> Keep that in mind. And just an FYI, this next update is GA4 is coming in about less than 100 days. That means Universal Analytics is going away in less than 100 days away. So if you are someone who hasn't converted or who hasn't done fully implemented fully, it's high time. You don't want to be uh, July 1st and you're still in Universal Analytics and you're scrambling, especially if you're running Google Ads. Because, you know, if you're running, like, for example... Uh, if you're running, say, Performance Max or any of these uh, campaigns where, you know, the conversion data drives future spending, you're going to be dead in the water because UA is not going to process any more information. It's just not going to send any more data back to Google Ads. Google Ads is gonna not, not, not going to know that the conversion is happening, who those people are, and you are, you know, dead, dead in the water. So with that, Ginny Marvin again reminded, Ginny Marvin, she works at Google, and she reminded, hey, folks, it's high time. You want to go ahead and migrate if you haven't. And if it seems like, you know, I'm being like a broken record and I've covered this GA4 for a long time and I keep on reminding people is because oh, there's at least 50% of the websites out there who hasn't converted to GA4. Now, I do not know if these are websites that have been like, you know, uh, forgotten or they're not going to be coming back in existence. I do not know what is going on, but it's just that uh, it's that number is very, very high. Talking about Google, uh, there are three new features in Google Discovery Ads. Uh, number one is they have rolled out um, product feeds to all Discovery advertisers. That basically what that means is that uh, Discovery, uh, you, if you're an e-com, uh, e-commerce, uh, direct-to-consumers or direct-to-business uh, website, you can use your, uh, let me see, your Google Merchant Catalog 
to deliver more relevant ads through the discovery channel, uh, which is the Google Discover. So basically what's, what this is all meaning, and I had to read up a little bit uh, while I was talking to you, is that you know Google Discover is this thing that I have on my iPhone as well. I have this Google app. I can go in there and I kind of sometimes read like news and things, and Google, based on as I'm reading, Google kind of learns, hey, um, the recommendation engine learns what I'm reading, what I'm how much time I'm spending, what I'm clicking on. And then what Google is saying now, they're going to start to show uh, product fee ads in that Google Discovery feed. Up until now, it wasn't generally available. Now it is. So yet, Google Discovery ads have been quite, uh, or Google Discovery feed has been quite uh, somewhat 80%, I would say, 80%, 75 to 80% accurate for me in terms of the t- uh, surfacing the articles that I would like to read. Uh, it's similar to YouTube uh, ads, rec- YouTube's recommendation engine is what I would say, okay? So that's good. Uh, that's very good. Uh, Google claims uh, that you know it's that you can get up to 45% more conversions at a similar cost per acquisition uh, CPA range, uh, which makes sense because it's still news. Over time, it's going to go away as you know, more people start you know, putting ads in the discovery feed. But for now, it's good. So you should definitely take advantage of it. The next is a product level reporting, uh, which will launch later this month. Again, later this month. <laughs> this month is going to be over this uh, in about a week or so, uh, which allow advertisers to track how their Google Merchant Catalog uh, items are performing in product feeds against metrics like impression or clicks. For example, a retailer who is promoting a wide range of products can now see which type of products are generating more interest and take business-related re- actions. Okay, uh, and again, Google is pushing you to use data-driven attribution because it's going to give you credit where it's due, not you that give where the credit is due. Uh, you should definitely use data-driven attribution in my mind, uh, in my opinion. And thirdly, Google has this new thing called conversion lift experiment. Conversion lift was, uh, you know, rolled out last year that allows you to accurately assess the effectiveness of your campaigns. This is one of their most recent measurement solutions. Uh, Allows you to help, you know, how well is your ad really doing? Uh, So now they are rolling out conversion lift experiment. This is for advertisers who are running both discovery ads and video action campaigns. Now, I want to pause here and tell you, you know, if all this stuff, all this talk that I've been covering, like this in this Google Discovery ads, is making you dizzy or you're not unsure if this applies to me or you're saying, you know, Sajid, this is going to a lot of, uh, you know, buzzwords. Uh, discovery ads, video action campaigns, data-driven attribution, uh, product feed, things like that. Then, and you're a business owner, then I don't... Uh, I don't think you should be feeling bad only because these are like, you know, really uh, for people who are uh, in the Google ads space, a marketeer or search marketeer. But again, I'm still covering it because you as a business owner should say, huh, I have a Google shop or I have a Shopify shop. I have a Google product feed or merchant feed. Let me talk to my guy and ask him, hey, can we do this? Right. Or you should say, you know, hey, marketing guy or marketing gal. Here's the podcast, here's the episode, here's the show, here's the episode. Go give it a listen and tell me what can we do for our business. That's why I'm covering it, okay? I'm not necessarily telling you you, the business owner should stop running your business and start looking into it because that's a lot of work. You don't want to do that. I want you to give you the high-level information so that you can go in and you can talk to your uh, you know, marketing gal or guy and say, you know, hey, here's what's happening. What do you think? Should we do it? What do we do? How do we do it? Or should we go talk to someone else who can help us get it done, Okay. 
Next up, uh, Google <laughs> seems like blue check mark is the flavor of the season. Google is uh, testing uh, the check mark uh, badge, uh, the blue badges for verified advertisers in search. Uh, again, it's part of Google Advertisers verification program. It's not available to everyone. Google is testing it, but I'm bringing it up. This is interesting to see where you know Twitter launched it, the blue check mark, uh, and then Instagram copied it, Facebook copied it, and now Google is like you know kind of thinking of how do we take these verified advertisers and, and bring it into the web. Maybe in the future Google is going to start also charging twelve dollars a month. We'll see. Next up, in the SEO front, Google has clarified its 15 megabytes uh, Google bot limit. Uh, what Basically what happened is when Google came out with that and Google shared, you know, hey, there's a 15 megabytes of limit, everybody in the SEO world was starting panicking and complaining because they were not sure what that means. So Google came out and clarified, look, it's 15 megabytes per uh, resource pool. So for example, your main page on your website is home.html. As long as it's within 15, that's fine. Yes, that page is gonna then link to a JavaScript or a, a cascading style sheet. Then you know uh, when it pulls that linked file, it's going to be also it's gonna be also it's gonna have its own 15 megabytes limit. So for each individual pull, it's gonna be a 15 megabyte limit. It's not the whole thing. That's one thing. Number two, Gary Ellis has also pointed out like, and if you think oh, 15 megabytes is a lot, uh, we shouldn't be worried about. Gary Ellis says, you know, you'd be surprised or shocked to see how many JavaScript files are out there that are over 15 megabytes. So you definitely want to keep an eye on that. Again, you as a business owner don't need to do anything. You, this is where you, again, ask your developers or marketing guy or girl, hey, are, have we checked that? I've, I heard this. Can we check that? So that's what you do. And thirdly, uh, John Miller is saying, look, 15 megabytes is Par fetch, like you know, when Googlebot comes in, it fetches the page. It should be under 15 megabytes. That's one thing. However, just because we're fetching it does not necessarily mean the page is going to be indexed. And just because we're indexing it, <laughs> so it's going to rank. So is that there's a lot of stuff into the whole process. So what I'm just to say is that uh, you know, you just have to keep in mind that you know, if you have a website. A basic rule of thumb is like, you know, let's keep everything under 15 megabytes. If we have more than 15 megabytes, maybe we should break it down into smaller files. That's all. Talk to your people, tell them that, and off we go. I think we should be good. Now, again, in the SEO front, the other thing, you know, we have covered quite a bit in the past on our shows, especially I think episode 141 and 91 is uh, relative link attributes. Now, Mueller has come back, John Mueller has come back and says, look, you can specify, there is only a few documented uh, link attributes uh, that you Google supports. Other than that, you can do whatever link attributes you can put. It has no bearing on whether, you know, on search results, right? So there were like, you know, so obviously I've, we have covered uh, no follow relative link and we covered no index in the past uh, to tell, instruct the Googlebot not to index that page. And then we have covered relative link equals to me, which basically means, hey, this link covers to my own, uh, links you to my own social channel. But, you know, there are people who have come up with this whole thing, and uh, hey, we need to do uh, relative link equals to do follow. Thinking, you know, if there's no follow, then there should be do follow, right? <laughs> Instructing Google and John Miller is saying, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. 
you can put do follow or you say you could say cheese is good or you could say you know google is bad does not matter the robots are going to see this they're going to ignore it the only ones they're going to really take into account is the ones that we support so hope you know uh, all it matters is like you know do not go crazy if it's not published it's not published if it's not published you know putting it in there is not going to have any effect and the next update is that Google kind of, John Miller has said, just because you have stuffed keyword in a page does not necessarily mean that the uh, content is not good, does not necessarily mean that you're going to rank higher or lower, things like that. That was something from the 90s when you could stuff keywords into a page and that will help you to rank higher. Um, that's uh, search engines and robots uh, are smart nowadays. It knows how to find those. It knows how to ignore them. Uh, this was in response to a user posting a query or a message for John Miller saying, you know, hey, how come my site does not got hit by the helpful content update? Is it because you know, I have too much, too much content on my page and Google might be thinking I'm stuffing keywords? John Miller says, look, I really cannot look at individual pages and comment on it, but I would say follow the helpful content, the, you know, our guidelines and see whether it helps you or not. Obviously, the guy did post a link to his page and I went ahead and I looked at it and, you know, obviously the link is in our show notes page, but I would just say, you know, I was not very impressed with the content on the page. I would think... <laughs> And looking at it, you can look at it and you could say this content, this page was written with SEO in mind, trying to thinking, you know, if we put so many uh, black cats in a page, maybe we will rank for black cats. Um, basically, what the page is all about was, you know, hey, if I dreamt of a black cat, what does it mean? Is it necessarily, does it necessarily mean it's a bad dream? So it goes on talk about, you know, Black cat with white cat. Black cat crossing the road. Black, I don't remember exactly. I'm just making it up. But it's just a variation of that black cat, black cat, black cat. So at one point, you know that they were like playing that keyword density game, which was again covered in one of our old past podcasts. It's, it doesn't read. It doesn't read well. It's not a story. It just feels very fake, very thin content. And I'm not surprised that they got hit after the helpful content, right? Uh, so again, you know, back in 2018, John Miller did say that keyword stuffing alone would not result in a penalty, uh, or neither having keyword uh, stuffed in a URL will result in a penalty. But it's a combination of things, right? And this was a guy whose clients. This was his, uh, this is the SEO guy, who's the, and the site that got hit was his clients, folks. You need to see the show notes and you will be shocked how many bad SEO people are out there. It's just mind-boggling, right? And this is a great example. I would never allow my client to write and publish a page like that. I'll be like, are you crazy? This page doesn't... Yeah, you have some helpful information, but you're repeating black cat, black cat, black cat. It's like, my God, it's just like blah, 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 like a broken record. Okay, hope this helps. <laughs> and this gives you some clue as to how you should keep your SEO guy, gal, agency, expert uh, accountable. Okay, next up. Google went ahead and kind of shared a Google, as in Google's John Miller, went ahead and shared or clarified how Google processes uh, robot.txt, especially when it comes to removing something uh, in your robot.txt after it was published. So, for example, you published and you had a link called aba.html and then you updated it and removed a.html from your robots.txt file. Now, 
this is basically robot.txt file is basically instructions to the Google bot saying, you know, only index the pages that are in these things or, or no, don't index these pages that are in this, uh, you know, file list. So where this is going is Google is, John Miller is saying, look, just because it appears on that page, does not necessarily mean it will automatically uh, get that link. It'll get whatever. Say you said uh, do not remove a.html from the from your index. That's a new instruction, right? Google is not going to immediately drop it. Google is going to wait, and Google is going to wait till the next time it goes and it actually goes into that page a.html, and then it's going to remove it. So. This is something what, what John is trying to say is like just because you update your robots.html page or robots.robots.txt page does not necessarily mean that it will be reflected in your Google, in Google will process it and make the change immediately. It's not immediate. It takes some time. Okay, folks. So Google has billions and maybe billions, maybe trillions of pages to process. Oftentimes it takes time. So what the moral is of this update is like you need to plan and you need to publish and wait. You cannot expect, oh, I just published my robots.txt file today. Why is it still uh, showing up in the index? Mm -mm, it's going to take time. When? I do not know. But it will take time. That's the, that's the gist of this update. Okay, folks, with that, that's it for this week in marketing. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.